Good morning, Friends Church. Uh, Whatever your plans are for the rest of the day, I'm very happy that you're here with us right now. Um, We have a very generous community here. Uh, We talk about that a lot. Um, I'm part of the charitable giving team. My name is Emily, and we get up here, uh, me and the rest of my team members get up here every week, and we thank you for your donations, and we thank you for your contributions, and we really can't stop doing that because you all do such an amazing job of supporting um, Friends Church and what we do. Uh, We also want to give you an opportunity to reach outside of our community here and help to financially support um, relief efforts that are ongoing because of the wildfires that we're experiencing so early in the season in our province. So we have an opportunity for you to give. Um, We are going to be funneling everything through the Red Cross. Um, So if you'd like to give, you can donate through Friends Church and we make sure that um, all of the the money gets to wildfire relief there. So you can go to friendschurch.ca slash fire if you'd like to support those efforts. Um, We also want to make sure that you keep it on your radar, that we're still looking for some more um, regular givers. We always have a bit of a turnover every year. We've got, you know, people that kind of, for whatever reason, they, they're giving changes, um, usually around the new year when we're reevaluating and reassessing what we do. Um, and we haven't quite built back up yet to our levels that we need to be really um, solidly sustainable. So if you've been thinking about making a regular monthly donation through our pre-authorized giving, I would encourage you to um, just keep that on your radar and consider that. If you're already doing that, um, thank you for, for your regular contributions. It really does help us to plan well. Um, we are going to have about a five-minute break right now. So I get the best job today because I get to tell you that there's coffee in the lobby. <laughs> so you can actually just take a few minutes. You could stay in your seat if you like and relax, turn around, meet some people, um, enjoy the company around you, or you can kind of nip out to the back there and grab a coffee. Um, we'll meet back here in about five minutes to carry on. Thank you. Well, welcome back, everyone. Good morning, and happy Mother's Day again to all you family, your mothers out there, mothers-to-be, um, mothers to other ch- children other than your own. There's all kinds of different ways that you mothers can be mothering. Uh, we celebrate you today. Look at I want to just make you aware of a couple of things. And first of all, let me say a big hello to our online community. Our, our podcast number has... Um, the podcast numbers has been just spiking like crazy over the last year, and we realize that there's many who participate and consider themselves a part of our community at Friends Church who never get to be here in person, um, but are very much tuned in and communicating with us in other ways. So I just want to say a big shout out and hello to all of you out there that are part of our virtual community. Look, I want to tell you about a series that's um, going to be starting in a couple weeks. Um, what is it called? Wisdom? Is that what it's called? Just wisdom? Oh, yeah, wisdom. All right. Spiritual art of living well. There, there it is. You can just read it. I don't have to tell you that. Let me ask you something. Have you ever known um, someone who just lived really well? Like, just the way that they interacted in their world was just so inspiring. Uh, and people that, whether it was relationally, 
whether it was vocationally in their work, their career, the way that they made decisions financially, maybe the way that they managed their own emotional regulation, the way that they set up their pace in life. I've, I've interacted with a number of people over my lifetime that I just, the number of times I would sit and chat with them, I'd come away going, I, I am so inspired to do a few things differently just by the way that I watch them conduct and interact in their lives. Do you know someone like that? I don't know what you call that, but I believe wisdom is a word that gets close to that. Wisdom is it's a part of our spiritual tradition. Interestingly, in the Bible, they refer to it as lady wisdom. It's, 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 it's considered in the feminine, and actually wisdom is, when you encounter it, the Bible would say you're encountering the divine. It's, uh, it's more than just a prescribed set of rules for living. John Vervecki, a cognitive scientist, he'd say that it's a much deeper set of competencies than just a set of rules that you follow. It's an ability to interact in our world on so many different levels. What it does and what it allows for us, the space that it creates for us to not just be able to get by, not just be able to limp into the weekends, but thrive. I don't know about you, I want to thrive. And these people that inspire me, I would see them in that way as squeezing the most out of their lives. This is what we want to talk about. Setting aside, I think, five weeks, five weeks to talk about these competencies that revolve around this thing called wisdom. And I want to invite you to set aside some time to think deeply about the way that you're interacting with wisdom. When you do this right, it doesn't just make other people better. It, it, It honors your own life. It honors the way you individually are wired It takes into account the people that you are living about, what your passions, it just covers so many different things. So anyways, give yourself some weekends to invest in yourself, to learn about and to engage in this practice called wisdom. I hope uh, you'll make the most of that series. Look at, enjoy your morning, you're in for a treat. There's um, something in that song She says a line, can you throw up there when you have a second, Esmond? I could be more or less for you. I need more knowledge to know what you need me to do. A couple weeks ago, I was going to visit one of my family members, someone I hadn't seen in a while. And as I'm driving out to see them, I have this kind of really weird, maybe it's not weird, I think probably we all have this. As I'm driving, I'm saying, okay, Vince, don't use that language. Okay, Vince, they're gonna say some stuff that's gonna drive you nuts, just let it go, it's just them, don't freak out about it, it's fine. A thing that drives you nuts, the thing that they do all the time, just let it go. And as I'm going in, I can just feel myself doing this. It's like, Vince Light. 
You know that feeling? <laughs> I do. Because after I sent out the write-up for this week, I started getting emails of people telling me stories of how they had to, what they had to take away out of their life. Oh, yeah. Had this event. <laughs> do not talk about religion. Do not talk about politics. We know the feeling, don't we? I can be more or less for you. I can shrink for you. I asked you to play that song because to me, it feels like that moment. I can only be in relationship with you if I'm not me. If I'm not who I am. You know that feeling? Sometimes it's a little bit different. I have one relationship where (laughs) when I go and talk to them, I'm like, don't disagree. Don't disagree. Don't disagree. (laughs) Keep your mouth shut. (laughs) Don't disagree. Because as soon as I am me, they freak out. I can see them shutting down, you know, picking a fight. Like all of a sudden it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How did, what, what just happened here? And I start managing their emotions by how I am. Oh, if I bring that up, that's going to bug them. Okay, don't, don't say that. Don't say that. Okay, oh, they just said something. Don't, Vince, do not comment on that. For me, it's always Bible stuff. You know me in Bible. I'm geeky about that stuff. Do not give an alternate interpretation of that verse. Keep your mouth shut. And then I say, oh, go. Question. Why do we edit ourselves that much? Why? Why do we back ourselves off? Have you thought about this? There's a book called um, How to Be an Adult in Relationships. I should have put up a slide for you. If you want to read a book that will change your life, that's a good book. It says that the people who love us should, one, it's the five A's, accept us. And yet we have relationship after relationship where we're going, no, no, but they don't accept us. And so we dial it down. I want to use a word for the dialing down. We forgive them. We forgive the fact that they don't accept us as who we are. We forgive the fact that they want us to be someone different. We forgive the fact that they don't have enough emotional regulation for us to bring something to them that's deep inside of us that we need to speak to. We forgive that in them. Why? Why do we forgive them? It's hurting us. I think it's for two reasons. One, we want to be loved. And somehow we have this idea that says, if I could be more or less for you, you will love me. Just tell me what I need to do. Give me the knowledge. I'll believe whatever you need me to be. Ouch. The other side is, no, no, I want to be in relationship with you, and if I say this, you're going to feel something. What if you feel sad? 
I can't handle that. What if you get upset? I can't handle that. Then we're going to be fighting for that. And, and so we dial it down. We forgive them. We keep the peace. I want to try and make a case for you guys today that says sometimes forgiving is the very wrong thing to do. Now this whole series, we're just about at the end, this whole series started with an idea that said, uh, we use this word resentment, right? You've been hurt in your past and it gets stuck inside of you. That thing that's stuck, <laughs> you know that wound from your childhood that's still inside of you? That's the resentment. Now, we can do two things with resentment. Jeff's going to spend all the time talking about this next week. We can avoid it, which is what we've spent five weeks telling you guys the different creative and beautifully non-functional ways <laughs> that we avoid learning from our resentment. Let me say that again. The series is based that says, if you learn, if you can look at that resentment and ask it, what do I need to learn from this? You will strike gold, painful gold, hard work gold, the stuff that you've avoided your whole life gold, gold. But we spend all this time, like, we're so good at avoiding it. You know, let's do, um, let's do a poll. This isn't such a big deal because we all do it. Anyone use blame to avoid dealing with their own resentments? Put up your hand. Come on, loud and proud. I love blame. I can point fingers like nobody's business. I am blaming people before I even know what I'm feeling. I'm that, that four-year-old where, you know, your mom says your name and you automatically point at your brother. You don't even know what you're in trouble for yet, but it was him. Blame is a beautiful way of avoiding dealing with our resentments, because we can just go, no, no, it was them. It's my partner. It's my boss. It's my neighbor. They're all a-holes. I have nothing to learn here. Okay, how about the next one? Shame. Shame is this weird one. Shame, I think, is a core, for many of us, is a core resentment that is so young, it happens so young, the hurt happens so young, that we can't even see it as a resentment. But it's insidious because it says this, whatever problem you have in your life, there's one answer, and it's you. Why did my marriage fail? It's me. Why didn't I get the promotion? It's me. Why is this happening? It's me, right? Shame allows no learning because it always gives you one answer. Any shame people in the room where you can feel like a little bit of that? Oh, yeah. Hell's yeah on the shame. It's always me, right? Then I don't have to look at anyone else. I don't have to look at, well, wait, what's, what was the dynamic? Should there be a boundary there? Jeff talked about herd morality, this idea that says we can, you can blame a person, but you can also blame a group. Those rich people, the beautiful people, the popular people, those people, that's the problem. All these ways that we avoid learning from resentments. And I think forgiveness is another way we can avoid learning from our resentments. Isn't that weird? Forgiveness is a way we can avoid learning from our resentments. When I first sat with that, that kind of forgiveness as bad 
I was reading an article. Can you throw up the title up for me, Esmond? This is a research article, The Dark Side of Forgiveness. The tendency to forgive predicts continued psychological and physical aggression in marriage. Just read that title again. Ay, caramba. It says that forgiveness actually increases rates of psychological and physical aggression. Let's just take a Sunday school moment, shall we? Anyone ever go to, I grew up in church, so I went to Sunday school. What's the Sunday school answer when someone hurts you? What are you supposed to do? Turn the other cheek. Uh, What's another name for turn the other cheek? Forgiveness. How many times are you supposed to forgive somebody? 77 times. There's actually a funny translation. It could also be 70 times seven. So if you're at 77 times forgiving and you're waiting for the next one and you don't have to forgive, you're like, yes, 78, screw you. (laughs) Well, sucks to be you today. (laughs) But what do we do with that, that article then? Jesus seems to be saying, forgive, turn the other cheek. How many times are we supposed to give? 77 times. Imagine you're, if you're partnered, just don't look at your partner right now. Imagine you're with some other person, you're partnered, and you're at a party. And your partner in party, in front of everybody, points at you and says, you're stupid. What would that feel like? That would feel like, ouch to me. That would be a nice way of saying it. I'd probably be losing my mind. I'd be like, But just sit with that for a moment. Your partner says, you're stupid. Now, if we follow the Sunday school answer, what are we supposed to do? Forgive. We do some turn of internal monologue. Oh, they probably didn't mean it. I'll forgive them 77 times and 78 I'm going to get them. And yet, we do this thing that, you know, even that, I'm going to be a bigger person. When we were kids... My parents took this forgiveness stuff really Sunday school. Like, my brother would, like, punch me in the face. I am bleeding. And my parents would be like, whoa! And they grab us, and they, they force us to stand and be like, Anthony, what do you say? And he says, I'm sorry. Vincent, what do you say? And I'm supposed to say, forgive you. <laughs> and the words coming out of my mouth are, forgive you. And what's going on in my brain is when mom's gone, you are dead. (laughs) Dead. But it's stuck inside of me. This feeling like, oh, but we're supposed to forgive, right? The number of people I've talked to, they're telling me these horrific things and they're going, Vince, how do I forgive that? Because why? Because we think that Sunday school answer is the right answer. We must forgive at all times, at any time. I was reading a book about purity culture. It's this movement about 10 years after I was around where it basically said kids in a certain subset of Christianity should be celibate until they're married. Like literally shouldn't date, shouldn't kiss anyone, nothing. And it talks about all the horrors of what this teaching has done to people. At one point, they recount a story. It's all stories. A girl says, I was abused by somebody in my church. And I told the leadership. 
And they brought me to that person that said, you're a Christian, you need to forgive them. Does the Sunday school answer always work? We have research that says forgiveness doesn't seem to be the answer. We have the Sunday school answer that says forgiveness is always the answer. What do we do? Now, at some point in my life, I swear to you guys, I'm going to come to you and tell you there's a Bible verse that the translation is bang on and I can do nothing with it. Today is not that day. Because this whole idea of turn the other cheek, I was just going to reference another message I did. It was five years ago I did this message. In my brain, that was the other day. So I'm going to give you the quick Coles notes. I only figured this out this morning. Turn the other cheek. Somebody over there yelled, turn the other cheek, right? Someone wrongs you, you turn the other cheek. Now, there's two readings. Well, there's actually three readings. One is you turn the other cheek. Your job as a spiritual person is to let somebody abuse you over and over and over again. Your partner says, you're stupid, and you just go, oh, I should forgive them. And then they say, you're an idiot, and you go, oh, I should forgive them. And then they slap you, and you say, oh, I should just forgive them. That's one reading. I don't love that reading. The second reading is one Jeff did. If you haven't heard his comment on herd morality or his message on herd morality, it's a Nietzschean critique of this. Nietzsche says, The reason we talk about this is because it makes us feel good. We create a morality wherein we're the top of the morality chain and the people we don't like are at the bottom. So we say the people who turn the other cheek, those are good people. So anyone else is bad. It makes us feel good, right? Another way of reading, turn the other cheek. My personal favorite is a different one. To me, it's performance art. Let's say you're from the ancient Near East. Somebody says, you know, a higher than you person could slap you. That's the rules. Weird, I know, doesn't work these days, but they could. But they could only slap you with the back of their hand because you're lesser than them. It's kind of like, you know, if I slap you with my forehand, you're equal to me, so I'm going to slap you with the back of my hand. Now, just look at it. If I slap you with the back of my hand and then you turn the other cheek, what do I have to do? I have to slap you with my front of my hand, which makes me treat you as an equal. In one moment, by turning the other cheek, you subvert the entire social status. You force me to say, you want to hit me again? Great. Do it as an equal. Suddenly, turn the other cheek is not. You're stupid. I forgive you. Turn the other cheek says, we need to have a talk. Because this way of being isn't working. Okay, but what about the 77 times? How many times are we supposed to forgive somebody? 77 times. It's actually, I think it's Peter. Can you throw it up for me, Esmond? Peter says, he's one of Jesus' students. He says to Jesus, hey, um, if somebody wrongs me, how many times do I need to forgive them? The sins against me, actually, that sins against me, that phrase, it's a bad translation. It makes it sound like it's some sort of like God thing, like you've sinned, you've done a really bad thing. Whenever it's sin against me, the harmartia, I, I won't give you the Greek, but just trust me on that. That means someone's wronged you. 
There's no supernaturalness to it. There's no like salvation stuff to this. This is a person does something to harm you. But it's a very particular kind of forgiveness because Jesus responds 77 times or 70 times seven, again, for you people who are waiting for 78. Jesus says, we forgive people, but what does he mean by forgive? Because if he means I have to forgive every time someone's wronged me, we're back to that place where our partner says you're stupid and we just have to say I forgive you. And that doesn't seem to work. Instead, Jesus says a little story. He says, I want you to forgive 77 times. And here's a story to explain what I mean by that. When the world is working the way it should be, this is what's going to happen. A banker will call you in one day. You owe them a mortgage, hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're calling in the mortgage. You say, I can't pay. And the banker says, well, I'm foreclosing. I'm taking everything you have. I'm going to garnish every wage you get until you've paid it back. And you fall on your knees and say, I am so sorry. Please, can you please have mercy on me? In a stroke of mercy and pity, the banker says to you, I forgive your debt. It's not that you've wronged anything. It's that it's owed. Now, the way the story goes, the person whose debt is forgiven goes and is like, oh my goodness, that is so incredible. Thank you so much. They walk out and they see their friend who owes them 100 bucks and they slam him against the wall and say, you owe me 100 bucks, pay it right now. person says, I don't have the money. And we put a lien on their car. A hundred bucks. Now, luckily, Jesus always got good stories. He's like, one of the banker's buddies was watching this go down, and he goes back to the banker and says, um, you might want to know about this. Calls the person back in and says, I am foreclosing on your house. I'm taking everything you have. Because I forgave you, you didn't pay it forward. You didn't forgive the loan. Jesus doesn't seem to be talking about someone has wronged me. He's talking about pay it forward. When the world is as it should, when I, something good happens for me, I give it to somebody else. I pass it down. That's why we do things like the fire fundraiser. We all have a pretty good place. We make money. We have good livings. And sometimes we pay it forward to help people who have less than. That's what I think he's talking about when he says forgive 77 times. Okay, let's just jump up 50,000 feet. This whole series says that there's hurts that create resentments when they're not dealt with. And we have all these different ways of dealing with or avoiding our resentments. We don't want to learn from them. Blaming, shaming, you know, whatever. Forgiveness is one of the ways that we avoid this. And we do it by forgiving too soon because we think in our heads, Jesus wants me to forgive. Christianity is defined by forgiveness. Turn the other cheek. That's the whole point. And I'm saying to you, I actually think that's not the case. I think there's times when we should not forgive yet. Because we haven't learned from the resentment yet. 
or forgiving to get around the pain of that resentment. Let me show you what I mean. And let me show you a framework I've been using to ask. Because after this message, I'm starting to work on this. Now I'm going, holy crap, when am I forgiving in a good way? And when am I forgiving in a bad way? Esma, can you throw up the spiritual journey model for us? This is the model we've been working on. Everyone starts with awareness. You guys now have awareness that maybe forgiveness isn't the way you thought it was. And maybe it's not mandated. Let's go up one level. I. Sometimes we forgive for I. When I go to my family member and I say, they won't accept me for who I am, I will forgive them that. I'm taking my I and going, in some ways making it smaller, and in some ways my desire to be in relationship with them is so loud that I'm willing to make myself smaller to get what I want. Can you feel it in your life? I want you to love me so I will become what you need me to be so that you love me. I will forgive you. You're not accepting me the way I am. I will forgive you. What was the line in her line or her song? I will forgive you your bad mood because I want you to be with me. Can you feel that? I was watching Ted Lasso. It's a story about... Uh, Soccer team. One of the soccer players is gay. Someone, he's been hiding it, like, for years. I'm not sure why, but he was. Anyways, his buddy comes to him, and they find out, and this whole thing blows up, and he says, why didn't you tell me that you were gay? Like, it wouldn't have mattered. And the guy said, 99%, I thought you would accept me. But the 1% chance that you wouldn't was so scary. I've hid my whole life from you. That's the I. That's forgiving because we want relationship. That's putting ourselves smaller so that we can be in relationship with someone. But that's forgiveness that says, no, no, no. Do you see what you're doing to yourself? Do you see how you're making yourself small? Become who you are not so that you're loved. I don't think that kind of forgiveness is good. Another one we do, because again, it's this, you can feel the distance and you feel so much emotion. That resentment comes up hot, loud, and you're like, no, no, no I can't have that. I'm going to shut this down and become who you want me to be. The other way, we see this all the time. We focus on them. We forgive for them. You say something to me that hurts me, and instead of saying, hey, wait a second, that doesn't feel very good. Like, ouch. We go, well, if I say that, you're going to get upset. And if you get upset, I, <laughs> what if you start crying? What if you get mad? What if you, what if you don't talk to me for three days? What if, what if, do you see how we can also forgive for someone else? But it's kind of for us too, isn't it? I don't want them to feel upset. I don't want them to feel embarrassed. I don't want them to feel ashamed. I don't want them to, I don't want them to, I don't want them to. And so I'm going to forgive them that they're not doing their own work. 
and make myself small. Do you see how I'm using forgive here? It's the making yourself smaller for reasons that are not robust learning from your resentments. Let's put it into the we. This is where it gets beautiful. The other day, I come home. I'm not very good at asking for help. I'm just not. It's one of my resentments. It comes from my childhood. I know it's there. I feel like I have a handle on it. I do not. I come home and I ask my wife, hey, can you pick something up for me? And she just says, can you tell me the address? And I go, whatever, I'll take care of it. What's going on there? Let's just analyze this, right? I have forgiven her, right? I've asked her for something. She asked me for the address. I've forgiven her now the request. I am so deep into my eye at this point, it's embarrassing. Now, my wife is much more skillful in this moment. She's in we. She says, whoa, 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 whoa. What just happened? I'm freaking out. You see, in we, forgiveness doesn't happen until you're both in a good place. I was forgiving her before she had anything. She didn't even know what we were talking about yet. I'd already forgiven her. Now, that's going to cause a resentment, right? Because I've asked her for something. I feel like she's pushing back. She's not. She's just asking for what she needs. I'm so far into my eye that I've now forgiven her, but it's not healthy for us. And instead of saying, oh, okay, great, I didn't want to pick up your crappy stuff anyways, she goes into we and says, wait, 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 we don't forgive each other until we're both in a good place. When you're in a good place and I'm in a good place, then we talk about forgiveness, but you're not in a good place, you're freaking out. And so, yes, I hear your apology. We're going to put a timeout on that and put that aside. You see, in we, forgiveness only happens after the relationship is in a good place. Both of us are in a good place. Do you have someone in your life who's like that for you? Who would not accept your apology because they know it's not good for you to apologize? You can even go a step further. There's this transcendent we realm where we call out the people we love, just like my wife did. Hey, what just happened there? Or hey, I noticed that you're reacting really strongly to something. Hey, I noticed you just closed down. What happened? Hey, can we talk about something? It's a love that realizes that your resentments are my resentments. And I'm here to help you heal those resentments in the same way you're here to help me heal my resentments. And we don't have to call it out. You can feel when it's wrong because it goes like this. Wow, you're freaking out right now. And the person's like, what do you mean? You're like, I just told you you're freaking out. What are you dealing? Like, calm the heck down. Well, we just dropped into I and now I want you to you know, deal with it differently, and Right? We're not in the we space. The we space says, hey, I, I noticed you're reacting really strongly. What do you mean? Oh, why don't we talk about it at some point? Why don't you just sit with it for a little bit? Well, I don't know if I did anything, but whatever, okay. 
two days later, you're like, eh, you might have had something there. We doesn't let hurts turn into resentments. We make sure that it works for both of us. And when we see it going into a resentment, we go, whoa, 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 time out, time out, time out. Back it up, back it up. What just happened there? How do we do this differently? Whenever I think about this we framework where forgiveness happens only when it's good for both of us, there's a song that comes up and I actually reached out to Alessandra. I was like, hey, remember that song you played like, in my head it was the other day, but probably a year or two ago? One year ago. It's a song that feels like we to me. It's, it's not teachy. It's like energetically we. It talks about seeing each other eye to eye. It's not like in that hurt place of eye, like, screw you, you need me to do this for or them, where it's like, whatever, you know, I'm not even going to bring this up because you're just going to freak out. No, no, it's in this place where we go, how do we look each other eye to eye? So I would encourage you, as we play this song, sit with this. Ask yourself, when am I forgiving? Because it makes me, it's easier for me. But I'm avoiding doing the work I need to do to learn from my resentments. And when am I forgiving so that I don't have to deal with someone's reaction? And where am I in we? Where forgiveness doesn't happen until we're both in a good place. Just sit with that as she sings it. I think there's a place for forgiveness. But I wonder if maybe we do it to avoid, to not deal with our resentments, to not learn from their resentments. So in something you've never heard in Sunday school ever in your life, I'm gonna encourage you to not forgive quickly. Ask yourself, why do I wanna forgive? Is it because this is done, I've worked through the resentment, there's nothing left for me to learn? Or am I trying to avoid something? If the person you have a resentment with is alive, you can engage in this we. I can look in the eyes and say, you called me stupid, that didn't feel good to me. And you start to have a dialogue where it says, no, no, I am going to be fully present and I'm going to listen to you. And when we've both worked this through, then we might forgive. So my encouragement today is this. May we learn from the resentments that we're trying to avoid through forgiveness. When you feel yourself wanting to forgive too quick, go to stuff, 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 stuff. What do I need to learn? What am I trying to avoid? Jeff is gonna do a whole piece on how do we do this learning. We spent five weeks talking about how you avoid doing the learning. Now it's actually, how do you do the learning? So I would encourage you to come out. Have a great week, enjoy the sun. Thanks, Alessandra, appreciate it. Take care, everyone.